What's up, guys? On today's show, we've got running back news galore. Fournette cut and signed in a matter of days. Alvin Kamara was on the trade block for a hot second, and Joe Mixon got paid. We do that. We run through our Truth Serum 100-man fantasy football league teams to finish out the show. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Teddy Talk, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a five-star review. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson, and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No! Lamar Jackson is gonna be a top five quarterback. What it do, what it do. Let's go. Episode 25, boys. A lot of news to cover as far as running backs and fantasy football. My God. Shit, I feel like we just did a show uh, over the weekend. And before the next weekend, we've just got all this news to cover and and good nuggets. We'll get to our truth serum 100-man fantasy football league teams at the end. Each of us in a different league. And those drafts turned out pretty good for us. So we'll run through that. A lot of similarities, a lot of differences between those three teams. Bryce, I will start with you. How's it going, my man, out in Portland? One more week. One more week. One more week. (laughs) How the fuck do you think I am? I am fucking jacked up, baby. We have one more week. And one other thing. Hey, you know, Leonard Fournette, right? He, uh, he's going somewhere. And I really think Tampa Bay is a great landing spot. What are you guys? Uh, Oh, wait. Oh, he already went. We didn't even have time. To go over Leonard Fournette and possible landing spots, that's how quick it was. Like, this is crazy that he's even on a team at this point. So I'm I'm just really excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to jump into it. I haven't been this excited all summer. You know, I've just been waiting for this day. So we're getting there. We're really close. Can't wait. What's up, C-Desk? <laughs> How the hell do I match that energy? I know, Jesus. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> I brought it. God. I brought it today. I brought it. Yeah, one more week. It's weird to think about. Our first episode was right after the Super Bowl, and that seems like an eternity ago. I was living in Corvallis, then moved to Arizona, and then moved back to Oregon, and now living in Portland. Like it's been a whirlwind, but oh my God, I can't believe how long ago that feels like. But Guys, I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Say Head it. on over to predictionstrike.com and buy yourself some shares 
of DJ Moore. And you're probably wondering, what the hell am I talking about? Prediction Strike. Super sick website where essentially they have NFL and NBA players up, but you can buy and you can invest in NFL players like they're a stock in the stock market. DJ Moore is a dollar per share right now. You have guys like DJ Chark who are $5.97 a share. DJ Moore has to score 14.6 PPR fantasy points in week one to see his share price increase. I bought a lot of DJ Moore. Who do they play in week one? They play my Raiders. And I am happy. My wallet is going to be happy. I'm also sad because DJ Moore is going to shred the Raiders, but super sweet website. Again, no skin in the game for us in it and pitching it. It's just awesome. Me, Bryce, and Kevin spent hours last night kind of clicking around, looking at the share prices of different guys. Super fun. Predictionstrike.com. Head on over there. We never get to really ask Kevin how he's doing. He's the one always asking us. So, Kevin, how are you doing today? Oh, you're right. I'm good. Wow. Jeez. I'm yeah. flattered. Um, Your feelings busy. matter, dude. We, we want to know. The people want to know. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Uh, busy in all things in life, um, but couldn't be more excited about football coming back. The Seahawks signed Josh Gordon today, and I'm excited about that, even though that doesn't fucking matter for anything that we're going to talk about today. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good week. Ready to talk some football. Let's dive into the news. News from around the league. The biggest news story of the week, obviously, was Leonard Fournette being cut by the Jaguars. They tried to trade him. They couldn't get anything for him. No team was willing to give up even a seventh-round pick for Lenny. Uh, blasphemous. Uh, apparently, it was some attitude issues, some locker room stuff that you know guys were sick of him. Former first-round pick had 4.16 mil on that salary left, and teams weren't really ready to take that on, I guess, for this year. Um, it's amazing because we've seen other running backs. Fucking Carlos Hyde is making more as a backup running back than what Leonard Fournette. Uh, was making on that contract before he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A one-year deal with a max value of 3.5 mil. It's a base of two with incentives and based on his rushing and playtime and all that stuff. He's filing a grievance with the NFL after the Jaguars cut him. And basically, if he wins that, he'll get that 4.2 nearly million dollar deal that he was supposed to be paid this year by the Jags, but was cut short of it as they voided part of the contract. So he'll probably get that. He'll get whatever money he gets in Tampa Bay, either 2 or 3.5 or anywhere in between. But it's huge news. Leonard Fournette, a running back that was sliding in ADP that we were still really high on, regardless of the situation in Jacksonville, and seemingly anywhere was better than Jacksonville, except maybe a place that already had an established runner. He goes to, not New England, not Seattle, not Kansas City, not L.A., but Tampa Bay. And this all-star team of Monstars continues to assemble. They bring in a guy that's at over 1,000 yards at two of his three seasons in the NFL, really turned into a PPR threat last season, despite how bad the offensive line was and the rest of that team. They've just blown everything up. And now Leonard Fournette heads to a backfield with who? Fantasy superstar Ronald Jones. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, who's already projecting to maybe be a bust. 
LaShawn McCoy, the ageless wonder, continues to bounce around in search of a Super Bowl ring. And Leonard Fournette <laughs> isn't the guy, according to head coach Bruce Arians. Rojo is our guy. So I want to start there with you guys. One, are you at all concerned with the landing spot of Tampa Bay, as glorious as it may seem? He looks like he's in a competition for carries. How quickly can he beat that out? And where would you draft him now, as we're really into this last period of, of drafting before the season starts in seven days. Bryce, I'll start with you on that. Yeah, there's honestly kind of a lot to unpack here. Right. Um, I originally thought that New England would have been the most realistic landing spot for Leonard Fournette, but now that he's in Tampa Bay, you know, you can say Ronald Jones is your guy and everything, but Leonard Fournette, as we obviously have talked about on this podcast, we like Leonard Fournette, think he's really talented. You know, he's going to be the starting running back at some point on this team. Rojo's probably going to be the RB1 out the gate just because he's going to be familiar with the offense. But Leonard Fournette is eventually going to take over this backfield. I don't think that if you're trying to draft Leonard Fournette that he needs to go up or down your draft board. I think it stays right about the same. I don't know if Tampa Bay is actually a better landing spot um, for Leonard Fournette. I think... On the surface, it seems like it because this offense has so many pieces and it, it looks like it's there's going to be a lot of points scored here, and I think that's fine. But in Jacksonville, he had zero competition, and now he's got Ronald Jones and, like you said, LaShawn McCoy. Maybe Dare Agumbawale gets thrown in the mix for the passing downs, um, and Keyshawn Vaughn is there as well. I don't think from a dynasty perspective you need to uh, worry about Keyshawn Vaughn at all it, it, it he's turned into a taxi squad stash right so we'll see how Leonard Fournette and Rojo pan out uh, Leonard Fournette's on a one-year deal but for all the Leonard Fournette truthers a lot of people think that this is a better landing spot than Jacksonville and I just don't know if I agree with that at this point um, and all the Ronald Jones truthers have just a, a big frowny face <laughs> because they know what the the distant future for for his value is going to be because Leonard Fournette is clearly the better running back here. So I want to say that I think Jacksonville is still a better spot for volume, and that's what matters most when we talk about running backs, right? I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be that much better for Leonard Fournette, especially with the amount of backups that are there there's going there's going to be a touch squeeze and I think that's the biggest issue for me with Leonard Fournette it is absolutely not a better spot for Leonard Fournette because we know the number one most important thing for running back production in fantasy football is volume and in Jacksonville Leonard Fournette was number two in the NFL in snap share number two in opportunity share and number two in weighted opportunities those are all decreasing I'm regardless of Leonard Fournette's skill set, those are decreasing. And we don't really like Ronald Jones. Keyshawn Vaughn kind of looks like a bust, but it's going to take him some time and for the schedule to soften up a little bit too. Maybe week five, week six, we see Leonard Fournette taking over the lion's share of the work. But again, like you said, Bryce, the touch squeeze is the word there. We care about volume and there is absolutely going to be a decrease in volume going from Jacksonville to Tampa Bay. So where do you draft him now? I mean, we, we saw this slide start. Where do you got him? 
So I had him in the top 15 when I was drafting him based on projections. I thought he'd be finished as a top 15 running back. Because of that touch squeeze, I move him now more towards middle 20s, kind of late 20s, just because we don't really know. And when you're and saying I, that, you're referring to um, top 20 by position, not yes. by not by in order of picks. Correct. RB 26, 27, I think, is is probably realistic and where you should be drafting him. That will move him back around to... Let's see. He's going in the third or the fifth, probably around the seventh or eighth round. I would, I would probably take him there. Uh, that's got to be after Devin Singletary, probably Kareem Hunt, those guys, Raheem Mostert, that crop of guys that we've been talking about not wanting to take. That then there in the seventh or eighth, I'm taking Leonard Fournette. I don't think he's falling that far. You know, I think everyone's gonna react to this news as exactly how you would expect, and I think he's probably going earlier now, right? I think on the yeah, I think you're right. I think more so on like right when he got cut, he would he had dropped like completely. I think it was lower than seventh or eighth, and it's you're right, it's slowly creeping back up. I think realistically, I mean we're kind of running out of draft time here, but probably he was going in the third. People didn't like him there, so going in the fourth, I'd say maybe if, yeah, fifth or sixth is where he'll end up. It's a good spot. I like it uh, from a dynasty perspective. This is Marshawn Lynch 2.0. Like their stats measure almost identically, just a, a little difference in years. Where Marshawn's bad year before he was traded to Seattle from Buffalo was his third year. Um, they shipped him off. I think it was for like a fourth round pick or something like that. Obviously, the situation a little bit different here with Fournette having a pretty solid year. The year before, it looked like it was a, a one hit wonder in his rookie season where he was solid, but then he was released and nobody wanted him. He cleared waivers, all that stuff that really pinned no value to him. Now he goes to a team that already has established runners I, from a dynasty perspective. I, I love this because I think it lets him work back into a system that is going to score a lot of points and he has an opportunity to kind of prove himself again. But what is there to prove? Like he he's been solid and we know that. So I don't think it's a talent issue. I don't think it's like a, a team issue or anything like that. I think eventually he does take this role. So if you have him in dynasty, don't fret at all. Don't, don't trade him because his value is as low as it's going to be right now. Yeah. I just wanted to add really quick that I'm holding in dynasty. I got some absolute junk offers for Leonard Fournette, right? When he got cut, knowing that I, people like react, like his NFL career is over. This right. guy sent me, try to send me Kenny Stills and Jerick McKinnon for Leonard Fournette. God. When there's rumors out there of Leonard Fournette going to Kansas city and Tampa Bay and new England. And he, he wouldn't even be worth that little if he didn't play in the NFL for a year. I, it was just total junk offer. Nobody's going to offer you what you want for him right now. The best thing that you can do is to hold. Moving on to another tier one running back, arguably a top five running back, Alvin Kamara. And the news that was this past week, absolutely insane. If you're a Saints fan, I can only imagine. Um, He's tweeted ominously a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry for what's to come, basically. And nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. He was at practice. Everything was all good. All of a sudden, he doesn't appear at practice. He's not there. He said everything was okay with his contract. Liar! Something was wrong with his contract. And he wanted a deal, rightfully so. I mean, after, despite last season's injured, you know, mishap of a year, Alvin Kamara has been one of the best players in fantasy football. And in real football for that matter over the past three seasons. So he holds out saints are looking like they're going to trade him and they wanted a first round pick for him. The problem with that is an NFL team 
trading a first round pick and then having to sign a player to an extension at this time in the year where most teams have already allocated most of their funds for the season to anybody and anyone to fill out their roster and trim up cap. Unless you're a team that's tanking and wants to build around Alvin Kamara, it's probably not going to happen. So the Saints weren't getting any offers and they didn't know what to do and lighter heads prevailed and sounds like Alvin Kamara is going to be okay. Still no contract yet, but back at practice, Sean Payton and him apparently have talked. Everything's all good. Does this affect where you draft him? I, sh- I should say this first. Did it, when he was holding out, affect where you were drafting him a couple days ago? And does it affect it now that there's still kind of this awkward tension between the Saints and Alvin Kamara? I mean, he could get traded tomorrow. Who knows? No, it doesn't affect it. I mean, here's the thing. When he, quote-unquote, decided to hold out, I was never worried that they were going to trade him. They're a, they're a win-now team. There's no way that they would let Latavius Murray start off the season as their RB1. That just doesn't seem realistic to me. What does worry me, and I once again, I think I've said this a million times. I'm no doctor. But seeing the news about him getting the epidural shot into his lower back does concern me. The plant-based diet does concern me a little bit. I know I kind of blew that up a little while ago, but still, it's kind of it's kind of showing you where he is at health-wise. And when we talk about money, he's asking for $16 million. That's worth that's more than what Christian McCaffrey got. And now the Saints are hoping that he is going to settle for around 12 million. We saw what Joe Mixon got it's going it, to it's around the 12 million dollar range uh per year and i think that's exactly where they're where they're hoping that he's going to be comfortable with taking a deal and i think that's the only way they actually do sign him and i think there's a little strategy involved with uh this whole contract negotiation holdout situation with all the running backs between him Mixon Dalvin Cook i think Dalvin Cook arguably is both playing this well and playing it poorly because he's waiting out for these running backs to get paid so that they can set some sort of market, even though it's not going to exceed Christian McCaffrey's value. And Dalvin Cook wants to be paid in that realm. But the problem is, is the longer he waits out, if he gets hurt during the season, that drops his price. So you're kind of hoping that Dalvin gets some sort of deal before then. But back to Kamara, I think that you got to draft him like you would normally draft him. There should be no change in anything regarding... Um, where he's being valued in drafts, and just wait. Just just draft him and wait. They're going to re-sign him. There's no way they trade him like the rumor was going around that he was going to get traded. That's not going to happen. This team's ready to win. This is a Super Bowl-caliber team. They need Alvin Kamara for that. There's a strategy involved with this in, in fantasy, too, and trying to take advantage of somebody who's kind of overreacting to the to the rumors. I absolutely sent out trade offers for Alvin Kamara right when the news broke of him potentially being on the, on the trade block, knowing that exactly what you said, Bryce. They are Super Bowl contenders. Drew Brees is, is 40-something years old. They would never trade Kamara for a pick right now. It makes absolutely no sense. So, like, I, I absolutely tried to take advantage of that. What you can use the news for, though, is in drafts, I'm not necessarily moving Kamara down, but if you're conflicted between this or that guy, I think a good example is, like, Joe Mixon or Alvin Kamara. You can use this, 
you can use this, uh, the news as sort of a tiebreaker to kind of help you make your decision in your draft where you're like, gosh, I don't know if I should take Joe Mixon or Alvin Kamara. When you kind of piece everything together, you got that Burdurl, Bryce, you believe in the change in diet. Maybe the Saints, again, we don't think they're going to trade them, but kind of contract dispute, maybe a holdout, kind of all of that adds together to a little bit of a tiebreaker that, again, I'm not sliding Kamara down, but would probably take, not even probably, I would take Joe Mixon over Alvin Kamara in in a seasonal draft right now. And to segue right into our next guy, Joe Mixon gets paid. It's a four-year, $48 million extension through 2024, $12 million a year for Joe. Um, well-deserved, well-earned contract on some shitty teams. And, you know, you've been really frustrated with Joe Mixon over the past few seasons in fantasy football. We think with Joe Burrow, the offensive line finally healthy. At, you know, guys rising up like Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd playing well, A.J. Green's back, they draft T. Higgins. It feels like this offense is coming together nicely, and we don't know what the defense will necessarily bring, but they actually hung in there pretty well last year, all things considered. Joe Mixon is their bell cow back. He's going to be on the field all the time. Who are you really worried about behind him? Nobody. Joe Mixon, where he was being drafted, is ridiculous. You were able to get Mixon in the second round. You were able to get Mixon sometimes in the third round of drafts. And in a lot of our truth serum drafts, we got him in the second round or in the third round. It, it, just the slide from Joe Mixon was ridiculous. And now, just like with injuries or holdouts or off-field issues or anything at this time of year while you're drafting, you, you, yeah, it, it's risky at the time to take a guy that might be holding out. Zeke from a couple seasons ago. Remember that slide? It's all the same. The fact of the matter is, unless it's like a legal issue, more times than not, that guy's going to play on opening day when the season starts. So let everybody freak out about these things. Let everybody worry and hesitate and be nervous about it. And you go get the guy like Joe Mixon, who Chase, you just said you're taking him over Alvin Kamara now, who's been a staple workhorse back the last three seasons. I know the injury last year early on really fucked up his whole year but that's what we're expecting from joe mixon is that top four to five upside in 2020 and joe mixon is a guy who is on the field a lot and he's on a team that kind of transitioned last year they didn't use him as much in the first half in the second half he was amazing and i think they've kind of realized that joe mixon is a focal point of this offense and now joe burrow being added into the mix it's just going it's going to be that much better. I think I think it's safe to assume that it's going to be that much better even though he is a rookie quarterback. And I once again, I'm going to segue this into Dalvin Cook. We're we're drafting Mixon in the second round uh most likely. And now that he's signed, he's he's jumping up into the first round. Easy. Like there's no question there. And I think if anything, I'm moving Dalvin down my board versus Kamara or Mixon because of kind of the direction of of contract negotiations he's taking. You know, he has to play six games to reach free agency this next year. And if he's holding out um, through the season, it's it just seems super risky to me. For a guy that always misses games um, every year, and that's what I'm worried about. I'm, I'm so worried about Dalvin Cook now, and maybe I've just kind of overreacted a little bit to all these um, contract negotiations and how his – situation is so much different to me because he's planning to wait this shit out and that team I don't think is a Super Bowl contending team I don't I don't think they're ready uh, at all I, you know they added 
a, a, a couple pieces on defense, but the defense also lost some pieces. And I just don't – I'm not sold on Minnesota right now. I'm, I'm legitimately worried about that. So I'm taking Mixon, Kamara ahead of Dalvin if I can, and I, I feel very confident about that. I, I would I would suggest to the listeners that you, you consider that as well because these guys are that much safer than Dalvin and can offer you the same kind of upside, in my opinion. Hold on real quick, Chase, before you go. You think Cincinnati's a Super Bowl contender? Is that why you're... You said that Minnesota's not a Super Bowl contender. They're not a good team. I would compare. I would say Minnesota's better than Cincinnati. Right. I, I'm not saying Cincinnati's a Super Bowl contending team whatsoever. I'm just saying that the offense is more appealing. His situation is more appealing from a fantasy perspective. And when we're talking about contracts and stuff, I think Dalvin Cook has has been the worst at from a from a strategy perspective versus the other two. And I'm worried that a guy who gets hurt consistently every year, if he does get hurt early on, that's going to that's gonna reflect on his, his future contract with the team. Or they, they might just move on from him. I just don't think that team's ready. I don't think Cincinnati's ready either. But I like Joe Mixon from a health perspective better. I like that he's signed there long-term from a dynasty aspect. And I think I like the offense a little bit more. I honestly do. I, I really do. I think the game script's going to be beneficial for a guy like Joe Mixon who is consistently relevant in the passing game. So Joe Mixon's contract, again, I, we've used this term before with running backs and their contracts. It's really a safety blanket over their dynasty value. He's tied to Joe Burrow in Cincinnati for the next five years. And when you look at Alvin Kamara and potentially holding out and Dalvin Cook potentially holding out, look at like what happened to Melvin Gordon, who held out, and Le'Veon yeah. Bell and their contract disputes. I know those guys are a little bit older, but contract disputes contract issues all of that not being signed long term to a team can you can see your dynasty value go like that melvin gordon was a top 10 top five back probably what two years ago three years ago and now he's i would say outside the top 20 i've adjusted my dynasty running back rankings now i've got mccaffrey at one saquon at two Ezekiel Elliott at three, Joe Mixon at four, Miles Sanders at five, Jonathan Taylor up to six, and then you have the two contract guys in Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook kind of rounding out the top ten and probably toss Josh Jacobs. That one's tough. Josh Jacobs or Dalvin or Alvin Kamara with the contract dispute. Um, but anyway, speaking on Mixon, you know, we kind of as a podcast have discounted Joe Burrow a little bit and really in the favor of Tua. Uh, but Joe Burrow's looked phenomenal in camp. He's in complete control, and the offense has the Cincinnati offense has the ability to go absolutely nuclear with Burrow for the next five years. That Joe Mixon is tethered to Joe Burrow. He Joe Burrow got Clyde Edwards-Helaire drafted in the first round. What's he going to do with 92nd percentile speed score, number one in evaded tackles, one of the most important metrics for running backs? Joe Mixon, uh, the the ceiling is astronomical. I could not agree with you more. I think I've, I've convinced myself this is going to be an outlier rookie quarterback season for Joe Burrow. I'm, 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 I'm in. I'm bought it. I, I totally believe that this team is ready for him to, to have a, a solid start. A Baker Mayfield rookie season type of start. The only thing that I'll say is like Joe Mixon – I'm sorry, Dalvin Cook last year, 250 carries, 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, 53 catches. Like, 
I know he's going into a wishy-washy contract season, and they, they broke off talks. They're not talking anymore. They're, he's going to play with what he's got this year, and I think that's the concern. That For me, that's the concern, that if he does get hurt, the Vikings have no skin in the game to re-sign him, just being out of good nature it would be at that point, and then he's not getting anywhere near a deal. Let's say he tears his ACL again. God forbid. I want the best for Dalvin Cook. I'm not trying to wish any injury on him. Bad juju here. But you're right. He's been hurt in every season he's played since entering the league in 2017. He's missed at least two games with the last year only missing two. Every year before that, it was at least six or more. Like, that's where you're fucked in Dynasty. I don't think that like there's necessarily as much risk in drafting him in seasonal. And I don't really see like a third round slide for Dalvin Cook, nor should anybody, because in these seasonal leagues, he's going to be going in the first round. Like he's going to the recency bias and success of last year rolls into drafts all the time. Totally. So I think Dalvin Cook is easily a first round pick in your seasonal drafts. Don't take that the wrong way. But yeah, in Dynasty, I totally agree with you, Chase and Bryce. Same thing of that. If you have a contract situation that isn't clear cut as a running back and a bell cow back and you have an injury history, Kamara, Cook, that's a red flag. I'm taking younger guys ahead of you. I'm taking guys with established roles over. Yeah. And, and guys that are just on con Zeke signed till what? 2032. I don't fucking know <laughs> guys on a massive deal that Dallas gave him. So injuries happen. Crazy shit happens, but a uh, little worried dynasty for those two guys. Uh, more news. Let's go. Jalen Rager. Not good. There's some goddamn bullshit. Expected to be out four weeks with the shoulder injury. It was tearing it up in camp. First round pick for the Eagles. Not a whole lot of competition there in that wide receiver group. We saw this happen last year with them. Just everybody going down. Poor Carson Wentz. You feel for him. Really, everybody on the offense. This team has had a shitty offseason as far as injuries go. With the, uh, they had to re-sign Jason Peters to that line because of offensive line injuries. and Pretty much everybody has had some sort of problem except for Carson Wentz. Jalen Rager, not the start we were looking for to start his NFL career. Probably won't see him until maybe week four. Strictly camp news, this is your wide receiver one of the rookies. You know, that's how much hype was building around Jalen Rager, especially with Alshon uh, up in the air health-wise. And it's crazy that this is happening because so many people were drafting this man early. And now I, I'm not drafting Jalen Rager. I have three drafts this next week before the season starts. I won't pick him up even with my last pick in, in uh, seasonal drafts, just because I don't want to draft a guy, especially a rookie who's going to be out, you know, four weeks, he's going to miss the first three weeks, have to jump in and hopefully uh, save this team uh, offensively. I, I, I'm a little worried about him um, for for this year. But going forward, this is a guy who is very talented. They love him. Carson Wentz has is, is got a rapport with him in camp. And just keep him on your radar. I mean, you should try to trade for him now with him being out. Like, this is a, this is a window uh, for any team that might have him stashed on the roster who is in a win-now mode. They might just be able to ship him off to you. So, Dynasty... Really look to grab Jalen Rager if you can, but uh, in seasonal, I think you you just gotta avoid him and and be okay with it because it's never good to draft a rookie who's hurt, missing the first 
a uh, few weeks of, of the season and having to jump in and immediately make an impact, uh, I have lowered my expectations for Jalen Rager. Unless, unless, okay, unless. hold that thought really quick. Rager was up to pick 122, and now he's down to 140. I'd take him there because I'm just saying OBJ played in 12 games as a rookie in 2014 because of injury. He finished with 130 targets, 91 receptions, 1,305 yards, 12 touchdowns, and was the wide receiver seven on the year. Oof. Is Jalen Rager going to do that? No, he's not. But as we said, there's not a whole lot of competition in Philly. Jalen Rager on the field, he's their wide receiver one. He looks phenomenal in camp and looks like he, through camp, Bryce, like you said, is the rookie wide receiver one. So I will take... Jalen Rager. But would you draft him over a guy like Preston Williams who's going around the same range a little bit later? It's close, and, and that's tough, and you fucking put me in a tough spot because I love <laughs> Preston Williams. Yeah. Uh, if the- Preston Williams was gone, I, I'd take Rager. Uh, if they're both there, I close my eyes, hit shuffle, and, and, and <laughs> take one happened. of them. But the issue could be too is it was a very similar injury to what we saw with Tyrell Williams, who was supposed to be out, I think, two to four weeks again too, and then all of a sudden, bang, shoulder, uh, he's on the IR. Tyrell Williams done for the year. There he is, our next guy we're talking about, torn labrum for Tyrell Williams, and this really didn't have any fantasy impact necessarily on him. I. I literally never saw a fantasy roster with Tyrell Williams on it. Maybe I was just blind to that, wasn't looking for it. But I am seeing rosters with this guy. It's Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs on him. Uh, Really opens the door up for two rookie receivers to come in and, and be great in their first season. We've heard nothing but good things about both of them in Las Vegas. We've talked about Derek Carr endlessly on the show. We love Josh Jacobs. There are a lot of things to like in Vegas, which gets Chase excited. But, I mean... Really, the main impact here is the ex-receiver, Brian Edwards. And what do we think about him in, in this rookie season? Kind of similar to, you know, Jalen Rager as being a wide receiver one on their team. Going to take Rager a little bit to get back from injury. But Edwards is ready to go, and he's looked phenomenal. Yeah, I love Brian Edwards, and I love Henry Ruggs. Um, but if I had to choose between the two of them, I'm still going to Ruggs. I think that the upside and ceiling is more tantalizing than what Edwards brings to the table. Not that Brian Edwards doesn't have a a, a solid ceiling. I just think that Ruggs is going to be used in so many different ways that that is something that's appealing to me. And I think that, you know, after this season, if Brian Edwards were to finish ahead of Henry Ruggs, I don't think any of us would be surprised by that. But if I had to make a decision in drafts, I'm going to take Ruggs because I still think that he is the wide receiver one. I think Derek Carr is going to throw to him a lot in the in the short to medium range area and occasionally deep ball. I just think that this is the the possession receiver with a lot of yak ability that brings more to the table uh, from a fantasy perspective. But once again, like I said, I think Brian Edwards has the ability to surpass him in this first season. I think that this offense is is exciting. For Raiders fans, um, just like it is to see a young offense in Denver for me. You know, it's kind of the same thing. So um, if I had to choose one, I'm going Rucks. I think that that's my pick if I, if I had to go with one of the two. 
So it frees up 64 targets, which is 4.9, essentially five targets per game. Uh, split those up however you want. But really, it accelerates the Brian Edwards timeline, but I'm still convinced in the skill match between Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs. I think Derek Carr is going to get addicted to throwing short and intermediate passes to Henry Ruggs, having him catch the ball, and then watching what he does with it because he's explosive. We know he can take any touch to the house. Derek Carr is going to fall in love with that. I am team in 2020. Henry Ruggs over Brian Edwards. All right, let's get to some drafts here. Our Truth Serum draft recaps. So to kind of preface this, instead of just jumping, oh, I took this guy. Here's the league. Okay, there's 100 teams. The 100 teams are broken up into 10 different leagues. And then the divisions after that, you were basically thrown in at random. And between the 10 of you, you pick your draft time. My draft was clear back on August 9th. The guys drafted last weekend. So, or two weekends ago. Things change a lot in that time. I want to preface it with that. My draft is going to look far different than these guys in a lot of ways of where guys were taken. Secondly, it is a super flex league that has a ton of fucking flex spots. It, it's huge. I mean, building up your team with another nugget, you don't have to have a tight end. So it's three wide receivers, three flex, and a super flex. No tight end. You did not have to draft Gronk. You did not have to draft George Kittle. You, did, you didn't have to if you didn't want to. So I didn't draft a tight end. Bryce did. I'll start with my roster. I'm not going to go down the list of this whole thing, but I'm just going to talk about where guys were at when I picked and kind of my strategy for it. Because each of us were a little bit different in this. So remember, this is clear back on August 9th. So some things are a little bit wonky. And you go, why did he do things were different back then? All right. So I started off as the seventh pick at this PPR draft. And I took Dalvin Cook. Just ahead of me with wow. Michael Thomas and Clyde, Lamar Jackson, Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry rounded out the first round. In the second round, players that went just ahead of my pick at four in the second round were Patrick Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill. I took Miles Sanders. So I already have two running backs. I completed the trilogy with another running back. In the third round, the slide at the time, Leonard Fournette. Just ahead of him went Chris Godwin, George Kittle, Todd Gurley, DJ Moore, Chris Carson went right after my picket, the 307. In the fourth round, I took a quarterback, Deshaun Watson, for me. Just at the time, really high hopes on this Houston Texans offense. And I think that's my biggest regret of my draft with other players, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. I would rather have them. I think this was like a panic pick. Who do I take at quarterback? And I don't have Deshaun in any league. I have Russ and Kyler and Dak and others. So I took Watson for once. Um, into the fifth round, still haven't taken a wide receiver. I took Melvin Gordon it's before his rib injury and maybe splitting carries with Philip Lindsay. So I regret that a little bit too. Uh, players that went just ahead of him, Jonathan Taylor, who I had my eyes uh, set on and I have in pretty much every league, dynasty or seasonal. A.J. Brown went right ahead of uh, my pick of Melvin Gordon. This is the fifth round. David Johnson, Raheem Mostert, and Keenan Allen there at the 5-10 to round that round out. Finally got some wide receivers as I hammered away after that with Cooper Cup, Devontae Parker, Julian Edelman, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk. The run continues uh, all the way through round 10. And those are my probably favorite picks of the draft. 
is that you could still get wide receiver ones on their team that have potential to finish in the top maybe around 20, but no worse than 35-ish. They're all kind of hammered in there for us, and we've openly expressed how excited we are about Will Fuller and Christian Kirk this season. So if you want more on those guys, either go to Chase's Twitter (laughs) or just roll back through other old episodes because we've talked those guys' years off. Baker Mayfield is a guy that uh, I have a lot of upside on, and I have him in Dynasty. I drafted him when he was a rookie a couple years ago, and I think that things bounce back for the Browns and Baker. This was right after, right after the Darius Geis news. So me drafting in the 12th round, Antonio Gibson, everybody in the chat went, oh, shit, man, great pick, great pick. 12th round. I know other rookies are going off the board, but there are other maybe established runners or guys with maybe a clearer path to opportunity than Antonio Gibson at the time. But hey, I got him, and I like the upside with him as well. After that, it's kind of a hodgepodge of guys, randoms that I'll say that, you know, super sleeper type guys, Paris Campbell and, and the hype that he's had in camp, I think is a, a steal in the 15th round. LaVisca Chenault, now that Fournette's gone, it looks like they're going to pass on every down in the 17th. Um, and then our guy that we just talked about, um, Brian Edwards. I can't remember where Ruggs went. I'm kind of scrolling through here trying to find him. He went much earlier than uh, Brian Edwards, who was way down on this ESPN board. But at the end of the day, I was really happy with this. And I, I still am here almost a, a full month later and a week before the NFL season. We have a lot of guys in common, though, uh, fellas. And I want to talk about that quickly. I, I, I got to wrap up early. I got another appointment to get to to, to roll out the show. You guys will finish it up. But guys that we had similarly, if you go to our Instagram, you could see all these rosters if that helps you kind of follow along with what we're talking about here if you're a more visual learner. But... Uh, a lot of us had Christian Kirk and drafted him in almost the same exact round. Um, you guys both had Joe Mixon, I believe. Um, Bryce, you and I had Miles Sanders. There are a lot of similarities between our teams. Benny Snell, you guys both had. I'm trying to find any more on here. I'm rambling. Oh, Julian, Julian Edelman is yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one that I think is really important. Now that Cam Newton, we know, is a starter. So uh, let's talk about those similar players that we all kind of believe in, and then you guys can roll into your stuff. Yeah, uh, I took Miles Sanders at the sixth pick with my first pick. And I I think in hindsight, you know, if I wanted to go clear upside only, which mm-hmm. might have been the better strategy for the tournament this size, I think I would have taken Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, I think that there's some appeal, obviously, in that kind of offense. But I really like Miles Sanders uh, early. So I, I decided to go with that because I, 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 I was okay with that. Um, but Julian Edelman is the guy I really want to focus on because I got him in the ninth round, and that is a steal to me. It was the last wide, true wide receiver one left on the board at that point, and and I think if we're suggesting anything to our listeners, is it's to draft Julian Edelman. They just they just released uh, Muhammad Sanu. Nikhil Harry blows ass right now. Uh, we'll see how he progresses, but right now Julian Edelman is the only receiver and that offense that is fantasy worthy and he could have a top 15 season that easily uh, because of pure volume. So Julian Edelman is, is the guy that we both have. I don't know if Chase has him. I don't think so. Um, But I think we came out on top with a pick like that, that late. And that's a suggestion that um, I would put out there for our listeners to, to pay attention to in your drafts because he is an incredible value at that point. Chase, real quick, we both had Will Fuller and drafted him in the same round. 
we kind of see the same thing that Bryce just talked about there in Houston or with Julian Edelman in New England, obviously, but in Houston, Will Fuller, is this finally the year when you're chasing upside and chasing hopefully an injury free season for Will Fuller that we see him reach that max potential when he's on the field. He's one of the best fantasy players in the game. It's crazy. The numbers that he posts. Yeah, like Bryce, I really like Julian Edelman that you got in the ninth. I like Will Fuller in the ninth too. And we mm-hmm. will see in a week Thursday night kind of what he looks like for the first time. Got a haircut, got rid of the dread. He's to me, he's gonna look like a new man. He's healthy, ready to go. He should be that team's wide receiver one. Brandon Cooks is there. We'll see how that plays out again. Super excited for that. But the ceiling that Will Fuller presents in the ninth ninth round is ridiculous. And uh, another guy, super high ceiling that you talked about was Miles Sanders. And you mentioned that I do not have Miles Sanders on my team. This was not by choice. I had the third pick and Saquon Barkley was available at the 103. I take Saquon in the first. By the time I'm back up in the second, Miles Sanders is gone. However, I got Joe Mixon. I think that's a really good point that you made. Is this the, the sheer upside that you see in somebody? On none of these rosters will you see a guy like Adrian Peterson, like these older players. Uh, Julian Edelman's an exception because he's a wide receiver one, but a guy like Muhammad Sanu or anything like that when we were drafting, you kind of look at, okay, what's what's the floor for everybody? What's the ceiling for everybody? And how can this guy blow that out of the water? And with older players that we've seen a lot and we know kind of what they do, there's no point of being safe for a guy on your bench. I don't want safe points. I want you to blow up and explode. And when I need you, I need you to be in my flex spot type of a thing. I'm hoping for a solid roster on my starting lineup, but my bench is full of guys that are kind of boomer bust. And I want that to be that way. And when they're on my bench, I could give a shit what they're doing, but I'm not taking a guy that I think is safe that I can pull up into my flex spot and, Oh, I know I'm going to get six points out of him. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm trying to win my week with that guy. Every other player on my team, yes, I'm chasing upside as well. Uh, chase, slam dunk. Yeah, you have to take Saquon Barkley. He fell to you at three. You should have gone at two or one. So I think a huge lesson for everybody or a thing to follow is just chase upside. There's no point in being safe in your drafts. Go win the league. Don't try to make the playoffs or not be last or anything like that go in the league go take somebody that could have a huge boom season christian kirk preston williams damian harris chase that was a great pick at the time and, and still is now that fournette didn't go there uh shit paris campbell looking around here at Bryce's right. roster deandre washington brandon Ayuk, guys like that uh question uh what round did you guys get will fuller in again the ninth. you the got n- him in the ninth. ninth i also got him in the ninth so yep. he so he went in the ninth in in my draft as well but i I could have taken him, but I took Hollywood Brown instead. Now, I think between Hollywood, I also could have taken Michael Gallup. So between Hollywood, Michael Gallup, and Will Fuller, which of those three guys do you Mm. think has the most upside? That's hilarious because I got sniped on Hollywood. I was going to take Hollywood in the eighth. And for me and my strategy, it's either Hollywood in that round, whatever round you can get him in eighth or whatever, seventh or sixth, if it's not super flex and you don't have to take a tight end. Um, But it's either Hollywood for me there, or if I can't get him, then the next next round, I take Will Fuller. What's comical right after that in round 10, Chase, you and I both got Christian Kirk. Uh, Bryce, 
Did you get Christian Kirk as well? I did not. I took uh, Darren Waller in the 10th round, and I yeah. I think the reason behind that was when I looked at who was on the board, um, Baker Mayfield, Golden Tate, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, James White, CeeDee Lamb. So at that point, and those are the guys that went after Darren Waller. So at that point, I, I didn't want to draft tight end in this in this draft at all, but I thought I thought at that moment that Darren Waller was a good pick, especially because I I rounded it out with Derek Carr in the thirteenth. Thought I could maybe double dip with that if I had to, uh, even though I took Tannehill uh, a couple rounds earlier. So I, that's why I took tight end. I think there's a moment uh, uh, and and place and time to take a tight end in a draft like this, and I assumed that th- at this point that that was the the right pick. What do you guys think about that? I like it. I mean, in comparison to like targets and and points, Darren Waller could be a top five tight end this year, especially with, you know, now no Tyra Williams and rookie receivers on the outside. The most consistent piece of that offense last year, other than Josh Jacobs was Darren Waller and he looked great. (laughs) So I think Debo Samuel might've been the other guy I could have taken that I would have taken um, just because he's their wide receiver one. He sounds like he's going to be back in time uh, for week one or maybe just week two. I mean, that's just one week, and he's not even my starting roster. I think that would have been a good stash. But Darren Waller double-dipping with Derek Carr when I have to, I kind of like that too. So I, th- I, I thought that that was the right moment to take him. What round did you get him in? I got Darren team? Waller in the 10th round. So you got a guy who saw 117 targets, had 90 receptions, 1,146 yards, and three touchdowns in the 10th. If you mm-hmm. compare that to a wide receiver in the 10th, can Will Fuller in the 9th do that? Absolutely. Can a receiver in the 10th do that? But can they do that is the question. Darren Waller's coming off that year. He's already done it. Yeah. yeah. So even in a, a league where you don't have to play a tight end, there were times where that guy is going to score more points more than likely than the other wide receivers around him. Here's something crazy. I, I mentioned it earlier of where I didn't know where Henry Ruggs went in my draft. He went in the 10th round. Mm. I got Brian Edwards in the 19th. <laughs> like that was the discrepancy there before Tyra Williams went out and this hype train really took off. And I, Evan Silva kind of had a funny clap at some guy who was like, well, there it goes like any chance you had of getting Brian Edwards late in your drafts or in dynasty Ricky drafts or whatever. One guy commented, like, you're two months late to that. Yeah. And Evan claps back. It's like, if you've only been talking about Brian Edwards for two months, no, you're late. It was <laughs> and uh, then, it was JJ Zacharyson. Oh, it was JJ. It was yeah, JJ. Yeah. That's right. Close enough. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. worries. Um, So just like that type of banter, I don't know. It's funny to see, like, yeah. yes, if you're just now talking about Brian Edwards because Tyro Williams got hurt, what the p- – hello? I- and the funny thing is, is you said Henry Ruggs went uh, in the tenth round in yours. He, he first went, pick of the tenth round. Yeah, he's a, he's the second pick in the tenth round in mine. And yeah. yes, I would have drafted Henry Ruggs over Darren Waller had he fell three more spots. Like that would have been automatic. I would have done that. So that's that's kind of funny how similar that is. So I really like my team. You guys might be shocked in who my favorite pick was from the draft so again i got saquon barkley in the first joe mixon in the second tyree kill in the third but my favorite pick was tyrod taylor <laughs> in the 20th why because it's a super flex league and in week six tyrod taylor could be absolute currency would you rather take in the 20th round would you rather take hingle mccringleberry 
whoever the <laughs> fuck is available in the 20th round or an upside rushing quarterback in a super flex league that is going to play the entire year. What it sounds like Justin Herbert's probably going to take a redshirt year that I could trade Tyrod Taylor, who I got in the 20th potentially in the super flex league for like a starting running back or a starting wide receiver. If somebody's low on quarterbacks, somebody's quarterback goes down. How many quarterbacks did got hurt last year? Tons. Holy crap. Drew Brees, big Ben. And I, I'm missing some. I don't even remember them. There are so many. So I, Tyrod in the 20th. I like, I loved it. And he goes undrafted. So it's not like, it was like, Oh, that's a great value. I just was kind of thinking, you know, I could flip this guy potentially, Considering what else is around him, what's the most valuable asset in a super flex league in the 20th round? A rushing quarterback? Hello? Yeah, guys yeah. guys that went in the 20th round. Dwayne Haskins, another yeah, guy. Yeah, hey, I took him. Yeah, I love that pick. That's a I think Dwayne Haskins is sliding under the radar a bit. I think he's I think there's a guy who works really hard and wants to be better, has a new coach, a really good coach in Ron Rivera at that. Uh obviously built in rapport with his wide receiver one. I mean, and they're going to have positive uh, game scripts. He's going to have to throw. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, I think, is is a lock if you're getting him in the 20th round, too. I think along with Tyrod Taylor. God, I'm looking at some of these picks in here. This It was wild. <laughs> yeah. What a wild league. 20 rounds. So, I don't know. You guys have anything else to add? Yeah, my favorite pick. Yeah, was, go for it. Was uh, LaVisca Chenault in the 19th. I know we kind of talked about LaVisca already, but think mm-hmm. just listen to the guys that went before him. Jack Doyle, Antonio Brown, Denzel Mims is actually a pretty good pick in the 19th round. I'll give I'll give that guy uh that pick. Hunter Renfro, LaShawn McCoy. Like LaVisca Chenault, once again, Kevin, you mentioned this earlier. He's the wide receiver two in that offense. At worst, he's the wide receiver three. We know they're they're gonna sling that ball around. I think I think Garden Minshew's throwing 23 plus times a game and that's a random number but I think it's it's in the uh, mid to upper 20 times a game and if that's the case I mean DJ Chark and LaVisca are going to be eating all day and LaVisca is a is a a special talent in the league and I think people realize that he's huge Um, can't wait to see what he's going to be I I just love that pick because that is a pure upside pick even though he's a rookie receiver on a really bad team that's the kind of guy you've got to search out for when you get to these late rounds where you're, you're just trying to take dart throws at this point. So Mims went before Chanel. Yes. Gross. I think it's a good pick still, though, because... Uh, not with Chanel on the board. They're, 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 I, I, I like LaVisca Just more. apples to apples yeah. looking at rookie wide receiver to rookie wide receiver. Okay, one, would you rather have him in the Jets offense or the Jaguars offense? I lean Jaguars, uh, mainly because of Adam Gase. Terrible defense, game script, target competition. I mean, what's there for Denzel Mims? Not a whole lot, but Jay Crowder is going to be a target. Jay Crowder, Jesus Christ. Wow. Jameson Crowder, wrong sport. Crowder to the win! Yeah! It's going to vacuum up target. <laughs> I think it's easy, LaVisca Chanel. All right. Well, if you have anything else to add, Chase, about your team, was there something that uh, you wanted to change by any chance? Like... If you looked at your team, you know, if you could go back, which is there any pick that you would you would reverse and, and maybe take someone instead? So I don't regret it yet, but somebody that I potentially could was Amari Cooper in the fourth round. Not that, that it was bad value, not that it was a bad pick, but I've never been an Amari Cooper guy. 
and I saw it as a value spot. I had already taken Saquon Barkley and Joe Mixon, and I don't have the draft report pulled up, but I think I got sniped on a running back that I wanted to take there in the fourth and just kind of best available. Again, I had taken Tyreek in the third, so I took Amari in the fourth going Saquon, Mixon, Tyreek Hill, Amari. I like those four, but it could be a guy that I regret Moving forward, we've talked about how many targets we think CeeDee Lamb could get, how Michael Gallup was actually really good. equal to or as good as Amari Cooper, and him in the eighth round or ninth round is probably a better pick than Amari in the fourth. Mine was Ryan Tannehill in the 11th because Joe Burrow went two picks after. And I the reason why I took Tannehill, it wasn't an upside pick. It was I made a roster where I could double dip on – Three sets of guys. I had Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders. Love that. I had Derek Carr and Darren Waller. Love that. And I drafted A.J. Brown, and I kind of like double dipping with Ryan Tannehill there, especially with really not a lot of competition for A.J. Brown whatsoever. So I think Joe Burrow would have been an, a, a better upside pick because I had Joe Mixon, but I really wanted to get a, a quarterback that I could double dip with a receiver. I missed out on uh, Matt Stafford. That was a guy that I would have drafted had he fallen to me instead of uh, Ryan Tannehill. I didn't get him. That was a guy I wanted to double dip with Kenny G, but I'm okay with A.J. Brown and double dipping with Tannehill, uh, especially with Tannehill going in 11th round. I think he's sliding under the radar too, um, but uh, not really an upside pick. So, uh, Anything else to add, Chase? Nothing major, but this is the last episode really before the season starts. So again, Thursday night football on Thursday. Next episode, we're recording on Wednesday. We'll drop it on Thursday. We're going to go over a lot of DFS stuff that I'm super excited about. That'll be the first DFS app where we include kind of guys in our player pool building those cash and tournament lineups that we have built out for the Sunday main slate. I cannot wait. Yeah, next episode is going to be very DFS heavy. So if you guys are looking to win money, which I know you all are, uh, that's the episode to tune into, especially uh, along with the last three episodes for just normal season and seasonal drafting. So give those a listen. Um, week one is right around the corner. It's right there. Can't wait. We've been working hard all off season uh, to build this podcast and get you guys some help and hopefully some more money in your in your pocket. So we'll uh, we'll get on that DFS grind and we'll talk tutties with you next week.